It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It's Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. I'm Guy Benson. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show, live from New York City today and tomorrow. Very happy to have you along from the Big Apple, Fox News World Headquarters. I'm here for some TV, including Kennedy tonight. But always happy to be in this seat behind this microphone. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. That never changes. Our podcast is always free. That never changes. On demand every day. Many ways to listen live, though. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, which we always recommend because of the breaking news and all the excitement that tends to happen during these hours of the day. Here's where we're headed on the program this afternoon. Sandra Smith, our Fox News colleague, she'll be here in studio later this hour, as will Jimmy Fallon, who's just down the hall. Just wrapped up his radio show at Fox News Radio, Fox Across America. He is a blast. We've got some real doozies to talk to him about in terms of some of the stories in the news cycle. That's Jimmy Fallon coming up. Charles Cook will also be here. We're going to follow up on our story yesterday about Ron DeSantis, Florida, and antibody treatments and the vindication, I've argued, of Governor DeSantis again, this time on those treatments and the fight that he's having with the White House. Last but not least, Dr. Mark Siegel is going to be here. We haven't had him in a while, but we love getting his expert opinion on a host of issues. Today, I want to talk about a pretty flagrant misstatement from Dr. Fauci. I want to get a reaction from Dr. Siegel. Also, his thoughts on vaccines for children. That is very much a major news story emerging this week because of the breaking news out of Pfizer and their trials yesterday. And then also booster shots, where the White House and the Biden administration, I think, really sort of sprinted out in front of the actual data and science. And now they've been slapped back a little bit by the FDA. What to make of that? We will put that question and more to Dr. Mark Siegel in our final hour. Fox News alert. Stats on COVID. 42.2 million cases confirmed in the United States. The real number is probably about quadruple that based on some of the estimates I've seen. The death toll from COVID here in the U.S., 676,191. The Dow is up slightly 64 points today trading at 34,035 after a major slide yesterday. Perhaps we will ask Sandra Smith with her business background about that when she joins us here in just about half an hour. Let's start today on the issue of the border and a media narrative that went from zero to 100 with head-spinning velocity. This is something that I saw pop up on social media yesterday, and then you start to see the preening discussions about it and the comments about how disgusting this particular footage was. A display that we were led to believe involved 
U.S. Customs and Border Patrol agents, so our officials on the ground, allegedly, this is what we were told, and there were some photos of it, and there were videos being circulated that oddly didn't match the rhetoric, what was actually in the videos, but everyone in the blue checkmark press and many in the Democratic Party, the usual suspects, Team Blue, let's just call them broadly, they decided that our Border Patrol agents were physically galloping around on horses at the border by the river and whipping. They had whips like Indiana Jones were whipping illegal immigrants from Haiti. They're saying, look, these are white Border Patrol agents whipping black-skinned people. This is like a creepy echo and callback to slavery in a very dark era. This should never happen in the United States. It's stomach-turning. It's ghastly. And when you hear a report that you've got Border Patrol agents with whips in their hands whipping people, that does sound quite strange and upsetting. Now, I clicked on the video, and what I saw was something in the hands of some of these guys on their horses, but it did not appear to be a whip and certainly not something that they were whipping at human beings. I said, okay, well, I, I see people are making an allegation. This seems to be the video that they're all worked up over. I don't see that physical action happening here at all. What am I missing? And apparently, I wasn't missing much. This was made up. This is what we would call fake news. There was a local reporter who wrongly characterized what was happening, and people went crazy. And I think what is particularly galling to me about this story is that a lot of the people who were going crazy, from elected officials to media pundits, to journalists, so-called journalists, they just all rush to say, our men at the border are whipping dark-skinned illegal immigrants, and this is a stain on our national pride. This is a disgrace, on and on. Number one, that's not what was happening. We'll get to that in a second. Number two, a lot of these exact same people have been asleep at the switch on the border crisis for months. Right, so here on this show, it's just like a drumbeat. Every month, we give you the new numbers at the border. And we are talking multi-decade highs. Hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants encountered at the southern border. Children being abandoned, trafficked. Tens of thousands of gotaways every month that we know of, and untold numbers of undetected gotaways as well. It is a completely out-of-control, unsustainable situation. It is caused by the Biden administration, by the president, his team, their rhetoric, their policies. It's so obvious. All of their excuse-making, oh, it's seasonal, not true. The hot summer has proven that was not true. Oh, we have to talk about root causes. That crashed and burned because their root cause outreach from Vice President Harris has not gone well in Central America. And we know that there are tens of thousands of people coming from countries other than Mexico or the big three, right? The, the triangle, the Northern Triangle in that part of the world. People are coming to the Mexico border to cross into the country illegally from many places across multiple continents. 
So the root causes thing, oh, we're going to go and try to help the situation on the ground in Guatemala, it is quixotic. It is not a strategy. So their so-called solutions and their excuses have gone by the wayside. And there was some coverage of it at the beginning, and then the media sort of moved on from it. It's not a helpful story because Donald Trump isn't in charge. They can't demonize people that they hate, so they've just sort of slumbered. You'll get a question here or there. They'll deflect. They won't call it a crisis. Oh, there'll be some furrowed brows and some hand-wringing. But they are not going down there and having these anguished photo shoots like AOC. Kamala Harris went down there as a senator, accused the United States of crimes against humanity. It was a much more manageable situation numbers-wise back then. And all of that has just dried up magically because the party in charge has a D next to their name. That's it. That's it. And so this is a muted issue, even though it is an absolute crisis based on the numbers alone. And then all of a sudden, again, this is what burns me. All of a sudden, they're interested again. And they all like mobilize collectively from their sleep. And they all wake up and they start marching immediately because they all have this little progressive hive mind on Twitter where they all see each other. They sort of whip each other, whip each other up into this frenzy because it was an opportunity not to talk about the failed policy, not to talk about the border crisis that it's happening, not to talk about the insane double standards when it comes to COVID down there, not to talk about the disgusting, squalid conditions that these people are being forced to live in or living under a bridge for days or weeks on end. Not any of that. This was an opportunity, and it's why it was appealing to them. This is an opportunity for them to demean and attack and smear Border Patrol because that's a safe zone for them. Attacking law enforcement is sort of their thing. This is what we get from the progressive left. Any chance they get to blame law enforcement or to cut their funding or to reimagine policing, they only ever want to cut three things, border enforcement, the police, and the military in a certain element of the left. And, by the way, Iron Dome. This just happened today. We'll get to that later. And an anti-Israel move by the House of Representatives under Nancy Pelosi because she's caved to the squad. We'll explain that coming up. But this was an irresistible chance for them to say, oh, these are bad people that we are familiar with attacking. And so this is a way perhaps to distract or detract from the crisis itself, the failed policies of the Biden administration. Let's go after Border Patrol. And they did it based on a lie. It's not even what happened. But Jen Psaki at the White House was peppered with questions about this yesterday. The media suddenly super interested in the border again because we're whipping illegal immigrants with whips, supposedly. I mean, the media seemed a little bit more interested in this than really going after her on droning seven children to death by accident and saying it was ISIS-K in Kabul a few weeks ago. Because again, this is this narrative fits like a glove for them. So one of the journalists, and she's really just a progressive activist, Yamish Alcindor from PBS, that's where she gets her credential, taxpayer-funded, by the way. She, she's the one who's often pressing the White House from the left 
right? She was like practically begging Joe Biden to try to nuke the filibuster and other things. She wanted to know, why won't the president call for these agents who are whipping illegal immigrants to be fired? So here's that exchange. Cut 16 with Saki herself saying that it was horrific. It was so horrible to watch. Just listen. Is it the president's stance or, or the White House's stance that whoever these border agents are using what seems to be whips on migrants, that they, that they would be fired or at least never be able to do that again? Uh, of course they should never be able to do it again. I don't know what the circumstances would be. It's obviously horrific, the footage. I don't have any more information on it, so let me venture to do that, and we'll see if there's more to convey. Karen, go ahead. And by the way, just, just to jump in here. The question, the follow-up is, why won't you say fired? Why are you scared of the word fired? I'm paraphrasing. So you've got a journalist paid for her salary with taxpayer money agitating to get these guys fired because they're whipping illegal immigrants. And you've got the White House. Saki at least gave herself a little bit of wiggle room by saying, oh, it's horrifying. It's horrible to watch. It's awful throwing these guys under the bus. But saying, but we, we need a little bit more information on the context. Well, this is what the context is. There were no whips. There was no whipping of illegal immigrants. They were horseback agents with reins that are used to control horses, not to whip people. Whips are not in the arsenal of Border Patrol. They don't have them. You can't show up to work as a Border Patrol agent and be like, all right, I need my, here's my badge, I'll have my gun, where's my whip? Right? It's not a thing. And if you, as I said, if you watch the footage itself, there's no whipping. They're not whipping people. And yet, whipped up into a frenzy were all of these people who suddenly decided the border mattered again. Not because of this completely unsustainable crisis and the people responsible for it, but because of something that they were led to believe and all piled onto a hoax. The DHS secretary, the hapless Alejandro Mayorkas, who often gaslights us, he was quoted yesterday. So the same day that the White House is basically condemning this. Oh, horrific, horrific. Did they actually watch it? I'm not saying the optics were just Excellent, but border enforcement with people trying to come into the country illegally, it's messy. The optics are never going to be good. But the allegation was whipping people never happened. These were reins for horses. And to his credit, briefly, Mayorkas admitted this yesterday. Basically contradicting, contradicting the narrative in the White House, he denied that Border Patrol agents used whips. He, Mayorkas, and the Border Patrol chief told reporters in Texas that they saw nothing obviously wrong with how the agents acted based on the initial footage and images. This is from the New York Post. They reviewed it. They saw what actually happened. They said, yeah, that's not whipping. We're not seeing something immediately wrong here. And Mayorkas, quote, explained that agents use long reins, not whips, to control their horses. Now, if you Google this thing, you'll find a zillion articles about the White House being horrified by the footage and all. It's all these stories based on a completely flawed underlying assumption about something that didn't happen with very few fact check corrections of, of what really was happening on the ground. And last but not least, of course, this morning, Mayorkas shows up on CNN to guess what? 
Get with the program. He got the memo. The White House is horrified, and so now he's horrified. He told the truth yesterday. He said, this is not actually happening. Those aren't whips. What are you talking about? And then overnight, he shows up on CNN. Oh, I'm horrified. Quote, the images, quote, trouble me profoundly. Why? They didn't yesterday when you were correcting the record. Because it's a political opportunity for the left. That's how they see it. And so we're back to gaslighting again. And they're all apparently happy to be in on it. And if they smear some law, some law enforcement officials in the process, so be it. All the better, perhaps. Because they'd much rather talk about that. They can get all excited about that. As long as we're not talking about the problem itself. And here we are. Fake news, I believe is what we would call this. Fake news. We're just getting started. It's the Guy Benson Show. Stay with us. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I'm Guy Benson. We're back here on the show. I'm excited to talk to Sandra Smith coming up in the next segment. She just did an interview with a senior Border Patrol official pushing back hard against this lie. The whips lie. We will get to that with her coming up in just a few minutes. I did tell you, and I want to follow through, that there's news on Iron Dome. You know that we're very pro-Israel here. Iron Dome is the defense shield that is extremely effective in Israel of knocking down and blowing out of the sky terrorist rockets that are sometimes fired dozens or hundreds at a time in a given conflict at Israel with the intent of killing civilians. Well, there are a few different battles on Capitol Hill right now on funding and spending bills. One of them has the progressives all up in arms, and one of the progressives and the squad, their demands in order to vote for something was to strip a billion dollars of funding for Iron Dome out of this provision, out of a spending bill. And Nancy Pelosi said, okay, so out comes the Iron Dome funding for our friends in Israel. The Iron Dome has saved... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. How? innocent civilian lives over there it is 100% defensive and the squad doesn't want it funded by US taxpayer dollars Omar Tlaib probably having a good day from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. We're back. Thanks for being here with us. With me in studio here in New York City is Sandra Smith, co-anchor of America Reports, along with John Roberts, who we had in studio yesterday down in D.C. Now we're up in the Big Apple, and Sandra is here with us. And, of course, America Reports airs on Fox News Channel live every weekday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Great to see you, Sandra. I'm so happy to be here with you, Guy. I opened the show today with a monologue about this narrative that just took flight, caught fire yesterday, alleging Mm -hmm. all the way up to the White House, with the White House pronouncing itself horrified by this, that our Border Patrol agents at the southern border were whipping Mm -hmm. illegal immigrants with whips. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not true. It did not happen. And yet it was taken as true by many people who often have almost nothing to say about the border crisis, but it was an opportunity to go after the enforcers. And so they did. You just conducted an interview on TV mm-hmm. with a senior Border Patrol official, and you touched on this issue. Just set this up for us. Who did you talk to earlier today? National Border Patrol Council Vice President Art Del Cueto. You've probably seen him on the Fox News channel. He's a pretty regular guest. Speaks very passionately about what's happening at the border. Matter of absolute urgency. He's also worried about the morale of these Border Patrol agents and everything that they are going through there. He pushed back hard against the criticism of these agents, what they are going through, and specifically the mainstream media claims that these agents are whipping migrants. Uh, He specifically on our program explained that these agents are not assigned whips. Yeah, let's listen to it. This was Cut 28 just earlier on Fox News in this interview. What they were doing out out there was within policy. They were not whipping anyone. They don't carry whips. They don't get assigned whips. What they do is a training technique that has been shown to them to make sure that no one takes over their horse. It was to protect the horse to protect the rider and to protect the individual that was trying to cause chaos and knock down that uh, rider from that horse. So these were long reins. These were not whips. This was controlling the horse and the situation. This is how they're trained is what he just said. And yet, and I can imagine that he would be very worried about the morale because these men and women have been completely overwhelmed month after month after month. And a lot of the people who seem to not care or might even approve on some level of this massive surge of illegal immigration, they can't find themselves to really breathe a word about anything until there is a fake story that makes these Border Patrol agents look like slave drivers or something. And then everyone pounces. And to have the White House respond when questioned, um, Jen Psaki was asked about this, about this being such a horrific event, the footage that she claims she saw um, is brutal considering the Homeland Security Secretary under this administration, Alejandro Mayorkas. He was asked about the photo photo earlier today when he was down in Del Rio. He said um, that the the reporter asked him about the whip. The reporter used the word whip. He said the reporter was assuming the facts, suggesting that it was possible the agent was simply holding a long rein. So you've got Alejandro Mayorkas saying, let's deal with facts here and not emotions by all of us seeing this video. But then Jen Psaki asked about it in the White House briefing room, called it horrific, said there will be consequences for this happening. Um, and she was repeatedly asked by reporters, by the way, about these whips on Haitian migrants. Our concern as Americans should be that a White House is not 
defending these border patrol agents who are putting themselves in harm's way and putting They're themselves on the front line in every the single branch. day. Absolutely. Art Del Cueto went on to say, as I just mentioned, that border patrol morale is very low right now and people are leaving the job guy at a time where we need more of them. Uh, he said the administration is refusing to defend these agents that he said quite clearly, as he saw in that video, were using proper safety techniques in the well, field. Well, they're, they're not just not defending them. They're hanging them out to dry, right? They're sort of saying, well, we need more information and we need the context. And there's going to be you know, an investigation. But the quote that you just read from Mayorkas yeah. has already elapsed because he was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And then apparently someone got to him and he's now on the bandwagon of being horrified. Mm -hmm. So he was not horrified by what he saw. He Mm -hmm. said this is actually what they were trained to do. That was the statement yesterday. The New York Post had that story. Mm -hmm. And now apparently the White House is the word has gone out that we are all to be horrified by this thing that, according to Border Patrol, is what the training shows. And, you know, whips now they're saying, well, whether we call them whips or not, the optics are terrible. Well, I. Sandra, I'm sort of old-fashioned in this way. If you accuse people of whipping human beings Mm -hmm. with whips and they don't have whips and they weren't using them against human beings, you can't just sort of let that slide as like, oh, well, maybe those little details don't matter. This other stuff still looks bad. Facts and truth have to matter if we're going to have a reasonable – rational conversation about anything. Yeah, and it was all sort of in the same breath because he went on to say that we're assuming the facts involved here. We need to to investigate really what happened here. He said to control the horse, long raids are used, but we're going to investigate, he said, to ensure that the situation as we understand it, that they were doing the right thing. If it's anything different, he said, we'll respond accordingly. And when he was testifying before the Senate Homeland Security Committee today, he said he was horrified. To see those images, to your point, saying, quote, we do not tolerate any mistreatment or abuse of a migrant, period. He did not say that was what happened right. in that video. So, but it, it very much leaves the impression Correct. that that's what they think happened. And Let's this- deal with the facts. Let's deal with the surge at the border because we had, we had the governor of Texas on at the top of our show today. And wow, when you hear the urgency in his voice and when you hear him standing there talking to local leaders on the ground – saying that this is a disaster that he's responding to. And those around him saying, the governor doesn't have to take the lead on this. This isn't his job. This is an administration job. This is federal land that needs to be protected here. Um, they need to step in. J- Joe Biden says, we're going we're, we're we're to take care of the situation. Is there anyone right now, anyone, mainstream media anywhere, that sees an administration tackling this crisis. Or Where's Kamala Harris? Any of the crises. Well, she, I last saw her, she was flipping a coin at a college football game, wearing a mask outdoors at the 50-yard line. I know this is supposed to be in her portfolio. I have no idea what she's up to these days. And I'm glad that you brought up Governor Abbott in Texas. We played a soundbite yesterday from the Democratic mayor of this city begging for the White House to do something and pay some attention. It's not a partisan thing. Henry Cuellar has been speaking up. Yep, Democratic member of Congress. Exactly. People who are there looking at this with their own two eyes cannot avoid what is in front of them. And yet that seems to be an avoidant strategy from the White House and from the left broadly. And they all are just like, let's just bury our head in the sand, pretend like this isn't so bad. But now we've got this smear. Mm -hmm. Now I've got this slander on Border Patrol. Let's jump on that and at least indulge it. This is the thing. We need an investigation. Okay, fine. We have the video. We've seen it. I kept 
seeing the Twitter outrage yesterday and the, the trending topics, I was expecting to push play on this video and be disgusted mm-hmm. by people just whipping other people. Yeah. It's not it's not in there. Like, I don't know what there is to investigate. There's footage of what happened. Some people just manifested a storyline out of it based mm-hmm. on nothing. I'm like, you know, I can see the vi- we can see this video. It's not what you say it is. Mm-hmm. And yet that lie went all the way around the world. Yeah before anyone stepped forward to correct it. And it seems like the administration has very little interest in correcting it because their base is now invested in this lie, mm-hmm. including a lot of the media. It's just And meanwhile, you've got resources running dry. And we were t- we're not just talking to the officials on the ground there. We're talking to the local landowners. I mean, they're dealing with a crisis at that border, and it's only moving inland. And to Governor Abbott's point at the top of the, the show today, he brought in to speak alongside him the Texas Department of Sa- Safety saying this is a public safety threat. Um, and that is why they have been brought in there. I mean, th- this is consequences, long-lasting consequences. When you look at the health of the migrants coming into this country, yeah, COVID the issues. economic resources yep. that they are going to tie up, not today, not for weeks, but for a long time to come, Guy, uh, educational resources, um, employment resources, it's going to have long-lasting effects. And we just still see thousands of those migrants pouring over the border. There are shortages of labor in that area in Texas, there are shortages of food right now at grocery stores. There are immediate impacts. Then there's those long-term impacts that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And Sandra, I say this somewhat frequently on the air, sort of on the spectrum of immigration policy as a conservative, I'm probably somewhat in the moderate camp overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, like I'm in favor of a dream act and that kind of thing. It drives me crazy when it's like somehow treated as not compassionate If I just believe, I'm sorry, these people do not have a right to be here. You can't just show up. We have unbelievable restrictions on legal immigration Mm -hmm. and even legal visits right now from allied countries. People can't visit. And starting in November, they'll have to show all this proof of vaccines, even if they're just showing up, you know, for four days at Disney World or something. And yet you have hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants coming across the southern border every single month. And if you say anything about it, it's sort of like, oh, well, you're the bad guy. There's sort of like this sense like, ooh, it's a little bit grimy to talk about. It's a a tinge of xenophobia. No. It shouldn't be. Of course not. It shouldn't be. And the the White House, our own Peter Ducey, pressed Jen Psaki also on the COVID (laughs) status of these migrants coming in. I mean, here we're saying that international uh, travelers coming in have to show proof of vaccine into this country, but yet you've got migrants pouring over the border illegally And the process is to see if they're showing any symptoms and then maybe do something about it. But testing, no, is not a requirement. Vaccine is not a requirement. And we're not even forcing them to get vaccinated. It's like, okay, you violated our sovereignty. You've shown up in our country. Mm -hmm. They're going to mandate stuff for American citizens and not mandate it for illegal immigrants Mm -hmm. showing up voluntarily. The other thing, we'll talk about this in the next hour, too, that Saki said in response to Peter Ducey was just this mind-bending thing where she said, well, but we don't think it's the illegal immigrants aren't really going to be staying very long. I'm like, no, it's exactly backwards. The European vacationers are the ones who are going to stay for a few days. The illegal immigrants would very much like to stay here probably for as long as they're alive. Yeah, and of those 12,500 or so that are gathered under the bridge, I believe only 350 so far was the latest number that I saw have actually uh, been flown back. The other point that Governor Abbott also made, um, and we we took his words live as he uh, stood there and addressed the press at the border. By the way, no other 
cable news network did. We were the only ones. No, no, um, they're they're too busy covering the fake whip story. Correct. To listen to any facts. Correct. Um, he he made the case that the administration knew this was coming. Uh, he pointed to a campaigning Joe Biden who campaigned on open borders and then said these are the policies he campaigned on at play. He is now attracting people from all over the globe. We're seeing migrants, he said, from over 150 countries pouring over our borders. He called the number of people crossing unprecedented and said, quote, the administration is doing nothing about it. What he is doing, he said he's organizing a more robust response at the border. He's shifting strategies where they're seeing breaches in the ability to cross over the border uh, where places that wasn't well protected before. They are shifting strategies. They are shifting resources. His characterization, though, it really struck me when he reached this point. Abbott said, we are witnessing chaos day after day after day. Yep. And you're not seeing Kamala Harris. You're certainly not seeing Joe Biden delivering a news conference from the border acknowledging this crisis. Well, Biden almost never takes questions on anything. I don't know where on earth the vice president mm-hmm. is. It's it's like a Carmen Sandiego yeah. situation with her half the time. But at least Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, is stepping into the breach and doing something. Yeah. Someone is leading somewhere. And of course, Biden does spend some of his time attacking guys like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis. It's a separate issue. Sandra, by the way, I just for people who are listening on the radio as opposed to watching on the live stream at foxnation.com, I love that you are now repurposing your TV notes. She was reading because <laughs> during during the press conference, yes. you took notes from Greg Abbott you and you still have that folder. So you were able to verbatim quote the governor of Texas. That is some good <laughs> TV tradecraft right there, Sandra. Last question, totally separate issue, but also a very sad one that you guys have been all over in the last week plus and we talked to John Roberts about it yesterday, this missing girl and now yeah. uh, assumed to be a dead young woman, Autopsy Gabby Petito, happening right now, yeah. currently um, to confirm, you know, the worst, it would seem. Mm-hmm. The strange wrinkle now, really more than a wrinkle, huge development of the missing person of interest, the boyfriend. I mean, what does it take to become a suspect? And where do we think this guy is? So uh, the last that I saw, actually, as I was coming to your radio studio, is that all these social media tips, they're helping. They certainly helped find Gabby when, you know, the, the blogger, the travel blogger right. spotted the, the, the converted van on her video feed. I had right. her on the show yesterday. Um, they're getting a lot of tips and they're parsing through all those tips and they're going to find this guy. And hopefully we'll know this time tomorrow uh, that family, um, Gabby's family, will know um, the cause of death. I had Dr. Baden um, on the show today uh, talking about the autopsy report, what they're looking for. Um, but the fact that this guy got away, the fact that he came from home from a trip without her, yeah. wouldn't speak to the family, wouldn't speak to the police, wouldn't speak to the FBI, and he got away. Gosh, help them. I know I know you're talking about Governor DeSantis down in Florida, and he's saying, well, we'll do whatever it takes to aid in the search efforts for this guy because they've got to find him. Like how you possibly lose track of that person. What a bizarre story. It is, like every little part of it. Yeah. Like the the further down the rabbit hole you go, it's like what? Every, what? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And it's Even Dr. Bodden, we had Nancy Grace on the aisle, said we've covered so many missing person stories. This one is just – it's just strange at every twist and turn. It really is. It is. And I know you guys have just been all over yeah. it on America Reports each and every day. Sandra – 
Not the happiest subject matter no. today, but always happy to see you. Thank you. And you too. Hopefully, we'll be seeing more of each other now that things are kind of hopefully getting normal-ish with COVID. Should I end with a go Wildcats? You got your Northwestern yeah. gear on yes, here today. Yes, I do. I came straight from the train, so I'm in my sort of like uh, train travel gear here. But yes, yeah, so go Cats, although <laughs> it was a rough, rough weekend down in North Carolina. Sandra, great to see you. Thank you, Guy. It's the Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to a new generation of talk. Generation of talk. Guy Benson. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. And as the United States seeks to rally the world to action, we will lead not just with the example of our power, but God willing with the power of our example. It's the Guy Benson Show, Joe Biden today. President of the United States at the United Nations talking about rallying the world. And he said, by doing so and in doing so, we will lead, quote, not just with the example of our power, which is a callback to his inaugural address, but with the power of our example. And I couldn't help but stop and think about that turn of phrase. What does the power of our example look like? These days, we have just abandoned thousands of American citizens and legal residents in a terrorist controlled country after he, the president, explicitly promised that would not happen. What example does that send? What's the power of that particular example, stranding and abandoning our own people behind enemy lines in violation of a sacred presidential promise to say nothing of the tens of thousands of Afghans who we owe to whom the same promise was made? Talk is cheap and perhaps never cheaper than Joe Biden talking about the power of the example of the United States after what he just presided over and continues to in Afghanistan to this day. Another hour coming up. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. It's a new hour here on the Guy Benson Show in New York City. I'm excited to be here and always pleased to have all of you here as well. Our website, GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is free on demand every day. Fox News alert here as we get going in our middle hour. The Dow closes down. It was up earlier in the trading day, but closed in the red, down 50 points, ending at 33,919. Well, we are joined now in studio by our colleague and someone that we are obligated contractually to have on from time to time, Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America on I'm like, Fox News Radio. I'm like the coach's son who makes the all-star team every year. 
The kid's got the mitt on the wrong hand. But it's just nice to be here on the field with you, Guy, nonetheless. It's very good my, to see my you. My dad said I could come. He said I could be here. <laughs> yeah, we did get that note. Yeah, so thanks And for we that. did verify the signature. It, it was authentic, <laughs> unfortunately. So I want to go through some of this audio with you because mm-hmm. this is just um, – Fertile ground, I would say, for not just talk radio commentary, but just brutal mockery as well. I cannot get enough. We did a whole opening mono yesterday on this mayor out in San Francisco. Oh, my goodness gracious. London London Breed. Breed, The best of the best. She is just a gift in some ways. And here's just a little mashup of some of her greatest hits. Again, if you you didn't catch the story, she was spotted – not just briefly, like all night yeah. at a nightclub last week, posing for photos, dancing, singing in a closed, like enclosed indoor space, mm-hmm. not wearing a mask. And this would be a big shrug for me, except for the fact that there's a mask mandate in her city They're that with no exceptions yeah. imposed by her. Right. This is her rule. Here's what she had to say about it when she was confronted. This was her damage control. I love this. Cut 20. Make sure you are vaccinated because of the requirements. But don't feel as though you have to be micromanaged about mask wearing. Like, we don't need the fun police to come in and try to micromanage and tell us what we should or shouldn't be doing. We know what we need to do to protect ourselves. I don't care where you're sitting. You're going to get up and start dancing. My drink was sitting at the table. I got up and started dancing because I was feeling the spirit. And I wasn't thinking about a mask. If you listen closely, you can hear her crisis manager shooting himself in the background. You actually hear the gunshot go off. It is the craziest thing in the world. First of all, the fun police, uh, that comment would carry more weight if she wasn't wearing the police uniform. Right. She is the fun police. That's She's what I the, said. I said, madam, yeah, thank it's you. you. Thank you. But this this whole idea, like if you were to say uh, on like, I don't know, let's say a Delta flight. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm feeling the spirit. We're on my Amtrak train up here today. They would duct tape you to the seat. (laughs) She gave an answer. You would get duct taped to the seat for giving if you were a normal person. And it's so absurd. Uh, Tony, 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 by the way, most like she dropped that reference because it was Dwayne Wiggins and Raphael Sadiq had gotten together. It's Tony, 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 Tony. Like that song feels good. Came out like 44 years ago. Like 40 years ago. This was part of her defense. She's like, you you guys, the original (laughs) group is back together. But they're at an age now where they actually sing feels bad. Everything hurts. (laughs) These guys are in like their late 50s. Everything hurts the minute they wake up in the morning. She also went on this little rampage about how she's like, no, my drink was over there. I'm not going to (laughs) sip and then put the mask on and then sip and then put the mask on. And I was like, okay, that's what. We are all required to do, to do on airplanes, and tra- I think it's ridiculous. That's absurd. I think it's completely ridiculous, and a few people also made this point. While she is a full-grown adult out there partying without a mask on, which, again, she's vaccinated, it's fine. Yep. It, I'm arguing against the mask mandate. Thank you. But she imposed the mandate. Thank you. So she has to abide by the mandate. I mean, yes. Unless the mandate is meant to mean nothing at all. <laughs> In theory, it really doesn't. I mean, if you're her, but this is the equivalent of, you know. There was It'll no, hurt other people. Yeah. Basically, she's the person who comes over to your table at the restaurant and tells you it's a no-smoking section and lights a cigar. Right. It's a like huge an old, one. Yeah, it like, like blows it in your face. Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? Hey, folks, sorry. We're in a no-smoking section. <laughs> you right. know. No, it's, it's absurd. And I kind of made this joke on the air yesterday. I didn't go too far with this joke. 
But there's a part of me that wonders, do some of these progressive left-wing voters out, especially in Northern California, do they like this? Is this like a weird fetish that they have of being humiliated by their politicians? Being like, we like the fact that you are imposing rules on us that you break, sir, because you are better than me, sir. Thank you. May I have another? Think of how bad the Democratic Party is hurting the dominatrix business. You know, everybody talks about crushing (laughs) a little guy. How about the little gal in the stilettos who's just trying to make a buck? But like you said— Thanks a lot, London Breed. I mean, because I say that all the time about, you know, when you have like these woke corporate seminars where they pay somebody to come in and call your names for like three hours. You're You're all racist. Yeah, you know, all of that stuff. (laughs) It's amazing. Like, can you put out a cigarette on my tongue while we're here? This is kind of hot. And I do think that's what's going on. I think you've tapped into something, Guy Benson, although you know a little bit more about Dominatrix than I took you for. I don't know very much at all, but it does seem like there is some – because they – Gavin Newsom was the OG on this, yeah. going to the French Laundry and gallivanting around, and he was rewarded with like a 30-point victory. Isn't that great? They jumped right in because we got – I think we really did. We got to this point where it's such a hyperpartisan time now that people – it means so much to them to declare victory on behalf of their political party that they are voting against their own interest. I mean what is the deliverable for Gavin Newsom in theory? It's not crime, obviously. No. You know, it's not affordability. It's not quality of life. Have you been? I mean, have you been to L.A.? You know, did you see the? I think it was the Babylon Bee that had the headline and also the uh, Photoshop. Uh-huh. Where it's like, um, like homeless population spells out congratulations and human feces on the street. <laughs> but they probably did. Yeah, when I was in L.A. with Jenny and Lincoln this summer, we we were there an hour, and Lincoln goes, "You know, nobody picks up after their dogs here." And I had to be like, "Yes, yeah, son. Uh, here's the thing about that. It's not dogs. They're very big into camping." But it's they don't people. go. Yeah, they don't go to Cabela's. It's disgusting. But that's the thing. There's no deliverable. But people voted for him anyway. Well, the deliverable is the not Larry Elder, yeah. right? That that's it. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I I love this mayor in particular because she cares so little. Yeah, yeah. She knows that it's her rule, mm-hmm. and she spends so much of her time attacking her rule only within the context yeah. of her own personal but she, but pleasure again, and, 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 and conduct. Let's, let's talk about this. She's the first person in history to pull an ain't nobody got time for that on her own rule. Right. That's right. what's so breathtaking. Right. Like, I get it if you just don't respect the rule. Like, if a Republican was doing that. Right, but, but, yeah, the, the whole pro- All the amazing. other people have to have time for it. Business yeah. owners have to have time for it, or they could be slapped with fines or what have you. And I don't think that they can, and I said this yesterday too, when you get that ticket or that summons, I don't think you can just say, oh, here's my, um, my feeling the spirit exemption. <laughs> I don't know if you've been studying the data guy. But they feel the spirit protection. You know, everyone talks about natural immunity. Yeah, they don't very, talk about Tony, Tony, Tony immunity. It's very but strong. It's, it's the, good. The spirit is very, very Have strong. Have you had Marty McCarry on? He likes, they talk about it a lot at Johns Hopkins. <laughs> well, and speaking of universities, I forgot who I saw make this point. But at universities just down the road from this, right, you've got the, the mayor having this time with no mask and singing and all the things. College students who are young, healthy people who are vaccinated by Mm -hmm. decree at these schools. Some of these schools, USC, Mm -hmm. fly across the country, Georgetown, they aren't allowed to sip water. They cannot take their mask off even for a second to sip water in class. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, which is insane. What are we doing? We've lost our minds. We man. have lost our And, and you think about how scared – because there are people that buy into the necessity of, of this because they're scared. We've scared people. Yeah. I was at the Yankee game last Friday, 
And I would say ten. I know. I'm sorry. I know. There's that. Speaking of fear, Speaking of crippling, crippling yeah. fear. So I was in the Yankee game. Yankee game last Maybe the Friday. bullpen will get better next time. It'll happen. Uh, last Friday, I would say a healthy 15 percent of the crowd was wearing masks outdoor at Yankee Stadium. And I'm like, yo, if you're hanging out in the Bronx on a Friday night, COVID is not a top five health risk <laughs> in the Bronx. No, not even honestly, it wouldn't meddle. It wouldn't meddle at the Olympics. Not good. I would like. To play for you another soundbite. Come on. On a completely separate topic. Because I feel like the COVID stuff has been played out. I was going to ask you about the Emmys and they got their special yeah. exemption because they're actors. It was an yeah. entertainment event. Yeah. So the help still needed it. The so college true. students need to wear their masks over at USC. No, but at you know not. LA Live, it's fine. Well, you forget how sophisticated the virus is. It knows. It That's, is. You know, you it, it goes to sleep at night if, if it's uh, Terry McAuliffe getting on a train. Uh, my, yeah. it, it really is. Am I the only one following the science here at Fox News Radio Guy? I, I didn't realize <laughs> who I was sitting down with. The Terry McAuliffe 1 a.m. exception. <laughs> Thank you. The <laughs> Emmys exception. The, oh, they won't be here long. That was the Jen Psaki one. So this is the next. Oh, give it to me. I love this Are we one. ready? Cut, cut 14. Please. This is an exchange with our colleague Peter Ducey and the White House press secretary. They clearly workshopped this one mm-hmm. and came up with this. Let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. As individuals, as individuals come across the border uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. That is our process. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. And, and what she's saying, it's not the same thing as is European travelers mm-hmm. coming in with passports and vaccine passports, mm-hmm. they've been barred from the United States. Yeah. Biden, in his munificence, has finally decided the month after next, they can start to come back to the United States yeah. for like little tourist stays uh-huh. if they fu- you know, are yeah. fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing, she said, because those are people coming from Europe on vacation. Unlike them, the mm. illegal immigrants aren't going to stay for very long. No, I've because what I, I I know sometimes you know you just have a little free time on your hands, so you walk a thousand miles. <laughs> you know you're short a few steps on the old Fitbit today. Did I not get the five thousand steps, my steps yesterday? In. I'll tell you what I'll do is I walk a thousand today, right. and then I'll get home tomorrow in time for Lincoln's baseball game. It's just such an insult to our intelligence at this point. But it's why nobody buys it. If there's a double standard, there's no standard because again, it's not a time released virus. The virus doesn't say, well, they're not staying long. So, you know, as long as they're out soon. And they are staying long. Of right? course, right? they're <laughs> here to live. They're here to live. No, you don't walk a thousand miles risking your life every step of the journey because it's a vacation. Right. Unless you're vacationing in New York or Chicago, then yes. But nowhere else do you do that on vacation. And I would love to have just been in the West Wing when they were sitting around saying, all right, well, that a hole, Ducey, might ask this. <laughs> Flagrantly <laughs> obvious question about this glaring gl- double standard. What should we say? Ooh, let's say it's different because the European vacationers are here for a long time, yeah. but the illegal immigrants no, no. who are migrating to another well, country, the, they're leaving soon or something. One is coming with a suitcase. The other is coming with all of their earthly possessions. <laughs> right, every belonging <laughs> they've children, ever had. Their children, grandma, everybody they can get in. But I love Ducey so much, too, because as the supervillain to this administration, he has the best hair in cable. He does. He does. I have him ahead of Malusian and Matt Finn now, which is controversial wow. on my show. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I know. That's aggressive. But I have Matt, him. Matt Finn is a friend of the program. No, no, so I, I love have Matt to stand Finn. up for I'm his hair I'm very pro-Matt Finn. I 
have all the live well, albums, Mal- the box set. The thing is, Malusion is just showing off That's at the border is. because he's like, he's like, I'm in a polo shirt yeah. in Texas heat mm-hmm. in the summer, yeah. and I am in not great conditions. Yeah. Look at the, what the, yeah. I woke up like. This oh, he's with his hair. Malusion is peddling for a product endorsement, like he is. He's got Vidal Sassoon on the line or something. He's trying to make some money off this. But Ducey, and the thing about and this is a strategic mistake, I think, by the White House because they put in their stupid mask mandate, even if everyone's vaccinated and tested. Doesn't matter because science, when you put a mask over Peter Ducey's face, it only accentuates his hair. It does. They don't realize they're playing into his strength. That's the thing. It's making him stronger. God, I love it. It's so great. But can we, I just want to hear it one more time because (laughs) not only is it such a preposterous on its face talking point, like it is some of the worst, dumbest spin I've ever heard. Just the dripping condescension in her tone like let me explain this bs to you one more time (laughs) dumb dumb let's listen to cut 14 let me explain to you again peter how our process works as individuals as individuals come across the border uh and uh they are uh both assessed for whether they have uh any symptoms if they have symptoms they are the intention is for them to be quarantined that is our process they're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time i don't think it's the same thing it's not the same thing <laughs> I love it so it's, much. It's not the same thing. No, and, and and we all know about the extensive screening facilities in the middle of the river. I mean, I saw them when I turned on the TV. <laughs> well, and, and she also used a lot of weasel words. I listened yeah. to that the second time through. Mm-hmm. She started to say, like, they're assessed and then they're quarantined. Then she said something like, their intent, the intention yeah. is for them to be quarantined. There's a lot of caveats built in. Maybe she was so busy yeah. making sure that every little caveat of the BS mm-hmm. she had gotten straight that she didn't take a second to have a breath and think about how stupid the argument it actually that, was. Well, this is the, to the point. So I'll just add on that really quickly is when you operate from a place of emotion, you deny yourself the self-awareness that would otherwise tell you you sound like an idiot. When she says to Peter, let me explain to you, she is being snarky. She's emotional. And that is what she gave is the stupidest answer I've ever heard at the podium. With all due respect to Sean Spicer, who had some home runs in the <laughs> The early going of the administration. He just had a birthday. Yeah, and he did. Happy so happy birthday to the Spice Man. We're all proud of you. That's a, <laughs> the biggest inauguration crowd ever. Ever. And Period. these illegal immigrants are about to leave. It's a, <laughs> it's a round trip journey. Yeah, listen, I'm not I'm not staying long, guy. You know, it's so funny. What a dope. Uh, we got to leave it there. I know. I'm going to get emotional, so let's just go. But thank you for this. It's so good to see you in New York, for real. Of course, Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America. Monday through Friday, noon to 3 p.m. on many of these same Fox stations and streaming services and all the things. It's all there. Thank you, Jimmy. You're my man. We'll be right back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. I'm Guy Benson. We're back. This story breaking today in Politico, and I suspect we might be covering this later in the week in some more depth. I just want to bring you the basics. This is from Politico Playbook. Ben Schreckinger is one of their reporters at Politico. He's got a book coming out called The Bidens, Inside the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power. Out today, and I'm quoting now from Politico, the book, quote, finds evidence that some of the purported Hunter Biden laptop material is genuine including two emails at the center of last October's controversy. 
a person who had independent access to Hunter Biden's emails, confirmed he did receive a 2015 email from a Ukrainian businessman thanking him for the chance to meet Joe Biden. The same goes for a 2017 email in which a proposed equity breakdown of a venture where the Chinese energy executives includes the line, quote, 10 held by H for the big guy. You remember that one, right? The person recalled seeing both emails. So this Politico reporter is writing a book on the Bidens, and he has in this process apparently corroborated some of the details and therefore the authenticity of the Biden emails from that laptop that we were told almost universally last fall, right before the election, was Russian disinformation, and we should pay no attention. It was throttled. It was suppressed. Now, here's another flashback from that campaign. Earlier in the campaign, Peter Ducey, there he is again, asking then-candidate Biden about this stuff. Flashback, answer, cut nine. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. That was the categorical blanket denial from Joe Biden. Now we have seemingly some corroboration that that's not true. But that's what he said when challenged as a candidate. And then when some evidence came out, we were told by the Biden team and big tech and media, oh, no, nothing to see here. Uh, Russian disinformation. Uh, Move on. Move on, everyone. It's like Hillary Clinton's emails. We cannot give this any oxygen. So they suppressed it. I think we'll revisit this later in the week. It's a big story. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Halfway through today's show on this Tuesday... It's the Guy Benson Show, and we are joined again by Charles C.W. Cook, senior writer at National Review. Charles, good to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. So I wrote about this at townhall.com yesterday. I did a monologue about this issue here on the show as well. You wrote a piece at National Review about monoclonal antibody treatments in Florida. Governor DeSantis, the many attacks and seemingly evolving attacks against him on that front. And I saw earlier the governor put out a tweet celebrating now 100,000 Floridians who have gotten this treatment, which we know is actually quite effective at preventing hospitalization among people who have been infected by COVID-19. What are your takeaways as someone who lives in Florida and you've watched and documented a lot of these uh, smears, frankly, against Governor DeSantis on every front imaginable on the antibody treatment, and we look at the, uh, the the fight that he's having now with the White House on this front, what are your major takeaways for the audience? Well, this is yet another example of people who have it in for Governor DeSantis or perhaps who fear him ahead of 2024 trying to find something to hit him with when, in fact, he was right. If you look back to the rollout of these treatments, the criticisms were manifold. They started with the idea that it didn't work. 
And then they moved on to the idea that it did work, but it was a cynical distraction from the vaccine. And then they ended up with a quickly debunked theory that the only reason Governor DeSantis was interested in monoclonal antibody treatment was because his buddy, his donor, was set to benefit. And of course, that wasn't true. The real reason that he was interested in it is because it works. And you know, because it works, the federal government had bought up a lot of the supply. It's just that very few people knew about it. And fast forward two months, uh, and you have the federal government stepping in and saying, whoa, this is so effective, we need to ration it. We need to make sure other states can get some too. <laughs> so you've gone from, this doesn't work, this is corrupt, to, hey, don't use it all, please, in the space of eight weeks. The one of the excuses, and I think it's still pretty active out there because they're they're really struggling to adapt to the new realities, right, where they can never admit that DeSantis was right about something or he's been vindicated. And it's this very familiar pattern with these narratives. So one of the talking points that they're clinging to is, well, he was obsessed with this at the expense of vaccines and he was distracting from vaccines. This is something that we went through and looked at the data on. We talked about it yesterday, but you got the ball rolling for me, getting me to really think about this. That's also just unsupported by reality. They were doing both at the same time with the antibody treatments uh, now up to 100,000 Floridians, as I mentioned. It did not slow down the vaccination process. Florida shot up the charts on vaccine rates at the same time. I know some people can't bring themselves to believe that's possible, and yet it's what actually happened. Well, that's exactly right. And it's not just the numbers, it's the intent. And the numbers are what really matters. But people focus in on the intent. And they say, well, DeSantis, he's trying to appease the anti-vax crowd. If you look back to when monoclonal antibody treatments were being rolled out in Florida, Politico was running stories about how Ron DeSantis is regarded by the anti-vax movement as a sellout. That's a guy who's too pro-vaccine. And one of the advantages of living in Florida is you see on local news what the governor is actually saying. And if you're an anti-vaxxer, that would actually be justified because Ron DeSantis, as he has right from the beginning, uh, praises the vaccine at any opportunity that he gets. Um, he did so while rolling out these treatments. If you look at the events he held, and I quote them in the piece you're referencing, he would say, go and get the vaccine. It is the best way to stay out of the hospital. But if you have had the vaccine and you've got COVID, or you haven't had the vaccine for whatever reason and you get COVID, these treatments will save your life. And he says explicitly, it's not in lieu of, it's not instead of, it's and. And in fact, if you look at the numbers, especially in South Florida, a majority of the people who have uh, been treated with uh, Regneron, which is the name of the, the company that makes the drug, actually are vaccinated. Um, so it, it's just not the case that the governor is trying to uh, distract from some nefarious plan. He realized early on that this works, it saved lives. And if you live in the real world, which you should, and you're aware that some people are not going to take the vaccine, which they should, then you should praise him for that because the alternative is to say, okay, die then. I, and I mean, in some ways, I think some folks are so cynical that they don't really mind death tolls going up in Florida because that's an opportunity for them to bash Ron DeSantis. I mean, it's, it's just so 
otherworldly political for for some of the most sort of brain broken partisans out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quickly, Charles, 30 seconds. Do you have a sense of where this battle's headed with the White House on the rationing? Is he going to do an end run by buying a bunch of doses from another pharmaceutical company? Because he's talking about that. I think he is going to do that, yes. I do think that the White House is being a little bit cynical here, not just because it's changed its tune, but because if you look at the numbers, it's not entirely clear that it's necessary to ration it. But yes, the I think the scientist has said he's going to look for different sorts. I, I can't imagine. Uh, and make I mean, that available. I'm just having trouble processing that answer, Charles, that this White House would be a little <laughs> bit cynical and political on an issue involving COVID. Perish the thought, Charles Cook of National Review on The Guy Benson Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. We all must advocate for women the rights of women and girls to use their full talents to contribute economically, politically, and socially, and pursue their dreams free of violence and intimidation. From Central America to the Middle East to Africa to Afghanistan, wherever it appears in the world. I'm Guy Benson. We're back on The Guy Benson Show. The President of the United States today at the United Nations talking about the rights and freedoms of women and girls, which is an interesting approach on his part given the fact that we have just consigned women and girls to not just second-class citizen status in Afghanistan, but in fact worse, chattel, property in some ways. Now, this is not a surprise. This is not an unknown consequence of the U.S. having no footprint anymore in Afghanistan. The fate of women and girls in that country was crystal clear based on the previous rule of the Taliban. In fact, here's a passage from the New York Times in a story this week. The director of a girls' school in Kabul desperately wants to learn details of the Taliban's plan for girls' education, but she can't attend the weekly Taliban committee meetings on education. They are for men only. They tell her to find a male representative to show up, but she says that Afghan educators don't need to attend meetings to comprehend the harsh new reality of education under the Taliban. The emerging government has made clear that it intends to severely restrict the educational freedoms enjoyed by many women and girls in the last 20 years. The only question is, how draconian is the new system going to be? The Times also reports that even if the rules are set, but local Taliban officials start to get a little bit offended by women doing too many things, they can rule sort of on a local basis, quote, by inference and by intimidation. CBS News, meanwhile, reports this. The Islamist grip on the country and the ramifications for women are intensifying. Quote, the Taliban's effective ban on women working sank in on Monday, sparking rage over the dramatic loss of rights after millions of female teachers and girls were barred from secondary school education. So education is being yanked away from Afghan girls. Jobs, the ability, the right to work, is being squelched for Afghan women. 
some of whom have only known society where they are at least close to equal, where they have some modicum of rights. That's been the status quo for 20 years, right? We talk about 20 years in Afghanistan as if it's a a terrible thing all around. I know it's been a long time, and we've poured a lot of blood and treasure into that country, but we did some good things too. We shouldn't lose sight of that. And now the status quo for these women and girls dramatically changed at the hands of these cavemen. Back to the CBS story. After pledging a softer version of their brutal and repressive regime of the 1990s, The Islamic fundamentalists, the Taliban, are tightening their control of women's freedoms one month after seizing power. Quote, I may as well be dead, said one woman. She said, I was in charge of a whole department and there were many women working with me. Now we have all lost our jobs. She insisted on anonymity for fear of reprisals, beatings or worse, obviously. Now, look, if you're a supporter of the Afghanistan withdrawal, Perhaps not the way the Biden administration has executed it because it is an ongoing fiasco that is, in my view, indefensible. But if you say, okay, if we had done this better and smarter over a period of months and this had been less incompetent, at its core, was it the right decision to get out? And if you're leaning in the direction heavily or otherwise of yes, I think part of the rationale has to come down to American interests. What is in the best interest of the United States? We knew there would be really heartbreaking externalities. If the U.S. got out of Afghanistan, even if we did it flawlessly in the execution, this would be one of them. What's going to happen to women and girls? We knew this. The problem that I have with Biden is that he executed, he made the call, he decided on the policy, which is a cold-blooded, sort of clear-eyed, if you support the policy, exercise in U.S. national interest, clearing away all of the other, frankly, tragedies. That would also occur. You sort of bite the bullet. You say, yes, we know these bad things are going to happen, but we have to do it anyway because that is what in the because that is what is in the vital national interest of the United States of America. What you can't do is go down that path, want credit for that, saying I alone made this decision. This is my policy. I stand by it. It was the right thing to do. But then also try to pretend that you have a claim on the mantle of human rights. And girls and women's rights, especially in that country, you have left them to the wolves. That is a result of your policy. You cannot feign commitment to their rights when you've made the call that you have because it's insulting. You've got to pick a lane. Same thing on gay rights. We've talked about this before. Remember the U.S. Embassy in Kabul flew the pride flag during Pride Month. And we had a bunch of online applause from progressives. Yes, uh, represent. We are so, this is just so amazing. That Trump wouldn't have done this. Wow. Okay. This is the definition, literally, of virtue signaling. If you're going to fly that flag, which is supposed to mean something, especially in that part of the world, And then months later, that entire embassy, the facility over which the pride flag flew, is abandoned to the Taliban. And CNN has a story about LGBT Afghans living in absolute fear for their lives. They're holed up. Their friends are hiding them. They are desperate to find any way to get out of the country. There was a story about one guy who was tricked by the Taliban into emerging, and they beat and they raped him. 
Imagine being an LGBT person in that country. You didn't have it great over the last 20 years, but now you're staring down the barrel of Taliban rule. And of course, the CNN story is an absolutely harrowing read. And the juxtaposition of sort of the clapping and the yassing over the flag gesture just a few months ago versus reality for LGBT people today on the ground, it is so stark. And that flag stunt means absolutely nothing to those people. It was a signal of virtue that is so empty right now that not only is it cold comfort, it almost feels like anti-comfort, like an extra slap in the face. Now, what's going to happen to gay people when they are found or exposed or even accused in Afghanistan? The CNN story quoted a Taliban judge who said that there were only two punishments available for homosexuality, stoning or being crushed under a wall. Those are the options. Now, is that the official policy of the Taliban? CNN asked a Taliban spokesman who said this. They have no official plans on their LGBTQ population yet. The spokesman said the regime has no official plans yet for their gay population, their queer population. Quote, when there is anything, I will keep you updated, he said. So I'm pretty sure he just did a circle back on whether to execute gay people. Taliban will circle back with us on that. And I say that, obviously, with a little bit of sarcasm in my voice. I'm not comparing the White House spokesman to a Taliban spokesman. I'm not doing that. But they are circling back on the open question. We'll get back to you on whether we're going to stone gay people to death, crush them under walls, or perhaps merely beat them, rape them, and imprison them. Because those are the likeliest options at this point. So if you're Joe Biden, you can talk about women and girls in Afghanistan at the U.N. What's happening on the ground is what it is. And your words ring hollow to say the least. And you can fly that flag at the embassy. But a few months later, if you've got gay people hiding in basements, worried that they're going to get stoned to death, doesn't really feel like it matters all that much. And it never did. I want to leave you with this. Cut seven. This was President Biden giving his big Afghanistan speech last month. This was one of the things that he said that even jumped out to me at the time. We'll continue to speak out for the basic rights of the Afghan people, of women and girls, just as we speak out all over the world. I've been clear the human rights must be the center of our foreign policy, not the periphery. See, you don't get to say that. This is the problem. You can say, I'm so sorry, human rights. I'm so sorry, marginalized populations in Afghanistan. Terrible things are going to happen to you. But we had to make this decision for the United States. You cannot make that decision and then come on national television speaking to the whole world and say, human rights are at the center of our foreign policy. They must be the center of our foreign policy, not the periphery. Those words mean absolutely Nothing. Less than nothing. That's what really bothers me about this. He wants the credit with happy talk and gestures on human rights. But when push comes to shove on human rights, we know what his decision has been. 
And even if you think it's the right call for the United States to wrap yourself in the flag of humanity and pretend that this is central to your foreign policy is obviously provably untrue by your own actions of the last few weeks. Words should have meaning, especially from a president. And the consequences of the actions of this president versus mouthing these platitudes, I mean, it just feels like a canyon is separating what he has done in that country and what he says. And I guarantee you, if we notice it, the people over there who are now under the boot of the Taliban, they notice it too in a very personal and extremely painful way. And maybe they don't have a voice. We're going to make the point here on The Guy Benson Show. Another hour coming up, our final hour, straight ahead. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. It's our final hour here on The Guy Benson Show from New York City today and tomorrow. Catch me on Kennedy tonight, 7 p.m. hour Eastern Time on the Fox Business Network. Our website here at this show, GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is free every day. GuyBensonShow.com. This happy hour is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink, widely available here in New York and in an increasing number of communities and states all across the country. You can find out if you live in one of them or you can order online, thelongdrink.com. It is just really good. Our latest shipment is in the works, I've been told, which I'm excited about. Thelongdrink.com, 21 plus only. Always drink responsibly, please. With us now is Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical correspondent, author of the book COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. You can follow him on Twitter at drmarc. S-I-E-G-E-L. Dr. Mark Siegel, welcome back, sir. Guy, always a pleasure to be on with you, and I'm glad you have kicked COVID, for one thing. (laughs) Yes, I kicked it long ago, because I was vaccinated, quick, easy, really wasn't that bad, because I was vaccinated, the breakthrough case, and I occasionally talk about that experience to people when we're talking about vaccines, or if they're skeptical, it's one of the reasons that I am personally very grateful to the vaccine. But let's talk about the vaccine, doctor. I want to get your take first on this news that broke yesterday. Pfizer announcing that in their clinical trials, their COVID vaccine dosage for children ages 5 to 11 is safe. It's effective. Apparently, the dosage is lower than it is in teens or adults. But after two shots, the immunity And the response of antibodies is just as robust. The side effects, they say, are very limited. I think this is all very hopeful. That being said, doctor, I know a lot of parents, including some who are vaccinated and very pro-vaccine, who are quite hesitant to inject their own kids 
with a vaccine against a disease that, thank God, overwhelmingly doesn't really hurt kids in a severe way. And at the very least, they want to wait and see not just clinical trials, but even more data. What's your reaction to that? How should parents and families start to think about vaccines for young kids, like elementary school age? You know, Guy, I think you reported that exactly right, but I'm actually scratching my head listening to it. And I'll tell you why. I've spent my entire career talking about vaccines and analyzing emerging diseases. And the biggest problem I have is when I talk to a parent who's going to give a hepatitis B vaccine to a nine-month-old because it's required or, or, or an MMRV vaccine, and they, they start talking to me about the concerns, you know, based on anti-vax movements and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And, you know, what about autism? And all of this is talking to me about a vaccine that for sure has been proven, but about a, but about a disease that you can't see, you can't feel, and it ain't around. And I have a little trouble with that conversation. I end up agreeing, you know, instead of giving 59 vaccines to your children, to your nine month old, maybe we should. And I'm exaggerating the number, obviously, but not by much. Maybe we should every year examine the cost benefit analysis. What's the risk of the disease and what's the benefit and risk of the vaccine? Now, flash forward to COVID. Right now, COVID is actually taking over the, children, the, ch- the young population. 26% of new cases are in children or those under the age of 18. We're seeing 300 hospitalizations a day in the United States right now, approximately, of children. So this is palpable, a word that doctors like. This is palpable. So then the question comes, what about the vaccine? You know, the vaccine itself uh, we got a lot of, uh, of, of pushback on giving the vaccine to young teens because of the issue of myocarditis. And I understand that because it's hard to give something to, to, your, to one of your children when they're healthy before. And then there's a maybe five in 100,000 risk that they're going to end up with this mild heart inflammation. Who wants that? Although almost all of them get completely better from that. But nobody wants that. So it's the movement of giving something to a child where... You know, you're giving something to a child and you don't want to cause a problem, but you have to actually overcome that emotion, which I wrote a book about, a fear book about. You have to overcome that and think, how am I going to feel if I do nothing? And they end up with COVID and they end up with the 10 or 20 percent group that has a longer term risk or side effect of COVID. You have to do that risk benefit analysis. But you know what, Guy? And here's where you and I are going to completely agree. You don't do that with the president of the United States. You don't do that with any official. You do that with your doctor, with your child's pediatrician, and you have the conversation, what I call the conversation, the kind of conversation I'm having right now with you. You figure out what their risks are. You figure out what the benefit is. And most importantly, you figure out if you want to participate in in creating a safe environment in like a school where we're going to end up with the schools closed again, the way this is going, because the Delta variant is so contagious. And because the teachers unions are like chomping at the bit already, we've got to get a a vaccinated environment in the schools, starting with the teachers and staff, but then on down to the children. It's not about masks. It's about testing and vaccines. Yeah, I guess it just worries me that if we're going to start mandating these vaccines for adults, where at least there's, I think, a stronger case for it, to then say, well, it's up to parents and doctors to have the conversation. I think a lot of people are going to start to say, well, is the government going to show up and tell me that it has to happen or my kid can't participate in activities or society or school? Right. I think those well, are some of the 
worries that I know for a fact some of my friends who are parents already have before this has even been approved for emergency use by the FDA. Well, so 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 let me go forward there. And you already, again, I love talking to you because you got all of this encapsulated. It hasn't been approved yet. We got to see what the FDA advisory committee says. My friend Paul Offit is a senior member of that committee. He's going to be reviewing it. Let's flash forward and say by Halloween it's approved. And instead of giving your kid candy, they're handing out a vaccine, wearing a Biden mask or a, or a Fauci mask or something. Oh, but I'm, I'm trying to create a little humor here, guy. <laughs> but, 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 you know, let's say that that's happening. Now, to your point about mandates, I don't think this is about the federal government. It shouldn't be. That's why there's too much scolding and shaming and bullying going on. The federal government can mandate vaccines for federal workers and certainly healthcare workers. Any, anybody that's going to be in contact with patients should be vaccinated. And I have no problem with hospitals making that decision, although I do think there should be a carve out for natural immunity, where if you've got COVID, you're over it, you've got antibodies, you know, we need to do a better tighter on that. That's a pretty durable, strong immunity. I like to see one vaccine shot on top of it. You yourself had vaccine plus COVID. I think you're, you've got a super immunity now. So I think that, but I think he made a really bad move mandating large businesses. First of all, why large and not small? Are those your voters, the small group? I mean, the small businesses vote for you, so you don't mandate them. I mean, I think it's up for a business to decide what a safe environment is. You know, you're a business. You want to stay open. You don't want unvaccinated people or non-immune people, to be more accurate, spreading this, then you might have a company policy. It's not the federal government. Now, when it comes to schools, I'll go back to the point I made before, that schools, local schools, districts, and even states mandate many vaccines if you want to go to a public kindergarten. So this is nothing new, but that is not the president of the United States. That's the state health authority. And I think you could make an argument that if you're going to need an MMR vaccine to go to school and there's no measles around this, there's COVID around. I'm telling you, I think it's a very safe vaccine. I don't like the word mandate. I don't like mandates coming from on high. I think they got to be organic and they have to fit the circumstance. Now, doctor, you mentioned Fauci and you were talking about the risk to children. I understand that roughly a quarter of the current cases are kids, although it's a much, much smaller number who are hospitalized. We know that pediatric deaths from COVID, thank God, have been vanishingly rare. In a country of 320 million people, it's about 400 children that have died with COVID, not even necessarily of COVID, but have died with COVID over the entire pandemic, 18, 19 months or so. Here's part of the problem that I have with the messaging and public health officials like Fauci. And this is why I start to get a little bit dyspeptic and demoralized about having a rational conversation. Fauci earlier this month gave an interview or he was uh, in a public forum And in Cut 25, he made this assertion. Listen, we have lost more children from SARS-CoV-2 than we ever lose for influenza. And we vaccinate children against influenza. So he was lecturing in the UK and he said right there that we lose more kids to COVID than we do to the flu. I'm I'm sort of cutting through the medical speak. That was his contention. More kids die from COVID than from the flu. And, doctor, we just know that that isn't true. I'm looking at the CDC estimates for flu deaths in recent flu seasons. 2012 and 2013, it was 1,100 kids under the age of 18 who died from the flu. 
It was 800 in 2014 and 2015. It was 650 almost in 2017-2018. It was 477 in 2018-2019. The entire number of deaths with COVID in the United States of infants to 17-year-olds over more than a year and a half is 438. Every single one of those is tragic and awful and gut-wrenching. But it just, it really bothers me when you hear someone like Fauci come out and say, Something that isn't true when we're talking about risk analysis, we don't shut down our society or our schools during flu season, even though some of the recent flu seasons have been more deadly to children than COVID has been over 19 months. He gets it backwards in that statement. And I just feel like it's not possible for us to have a reasonable, informed conversation if one of the most sainted and celebrated doctors in the country that a lot of people trust implicitly is going to come out and say something like that, even though it isn't accurate. You know, Guy, once again, you framed this beautifully. I want to start with a joke. When I said the Fauci mask on Halloween, maybe I should have said the double mask. <laughs> or triple. He wears, <laughs> triple mask because he wears double mask. Uh, you know, Dr. Francis Collins said something yesterday on Fox that I think was uh, maybe misperceived, and I want to say it in a positive way. He said, you know, if you want to go to it for a unified opinion, you know, an autocratic opinion, go to China for it. Here in the United States, we have a a mixture of opinions and takes on things. And I like that, actually, because I was thinking maybe, in other words, when when did it become St. Fauci? I mean, look, I know the man for many years, and I have a high regard for him. But one of the problems with this pandemic is everybody's stepping up to the plate, and they're suddenly the be-all and end-all. It's a variety of opinions. He happened to get that wrong. He doesn't get everything wrong, but I'll tell you what he gets wrong a lot, which is he's very conservative and tries to stay behind the science and not make statements until they're proven. That really works in infectious diseases and immunology. But in a pandemic, sometimes he's too conservative. You know, he he also ruled out hydroxychloroquine too quickly, and then it wasn't studied early enough the way it could have been. I mean, you know, he also focused on the use of vaccines uh, to p- keep you out of the hospital when, in fact, then it turned out that vaccines may protect the community and we maybe should have been messaging it that way and maybe more people would have taken it. It's not just keeping you out of the hospital. It's decreasing the amount of virus well, going and look, around. And doctor, and just to jump in, some of this is fog of war stuff where I don't fault him on every single thing. Like, oh, he flip-flop on this or whatever. He's, in some cases, right. following the science. He's also done some of this noble lie stuff on masks, for example, on herd immunity. I don't have any time for that. And this one bothers me especially because we already are a society of hysterics in a lot of cases when it comes to COVID, even though it's a very serious disease and I've taken it very seriously all along. We are not going to be able to craft policies that are the right call for children, for example, if the most famous doctor and expert in the country can just incorrectly assert something about the lethality of COVID-19 for children in a way that will feed the hysteria that a lot of people already have. That, again, is just a red flag to me. And I know that you know him. I'm not inviting you to dump all over him. I just feel like it really inhibits a rational conversation and a rational policy. Guy, I actually love what you just said, but not because of Dr. Fauci per se, but it brings up a much larger point. I wrote a book about how we respond hysterically to all health scares. And when this became a the noble pandemic that was killing t- thousands and thousands, I felt like maybe it, it wasn't 
you know, uh, sacrosanct for me to use the fear word and the hysteria word. But I've discovered that the more, more of the risk is real, the more the hysteria abounds. And I think what you just said is right. When we saber rattle, we're not doing anybody a service. And the real truth, by the way, to cut to the real truth is that the risk to kids isn't death because kids tend to have very mild cases in the vast majority of cases, which are what you're pointing to. The problem is that as the volume goes up among kids, and again, they tend to get very mild cases. I'm much more worried about long-term side effects. Which and is, and which that, is little... I think, that right there would be a good point to make to a parent who would be curious about vaccinating their six-year-old as opposed to coming out and saying that COVID is deadlier than the flu for kids because that's just false. Very quickly, doctor, we only have about a minute left on the whole booster shot question. We know that it has been temporarily or at least provisionally approved for elderly people and people with major comorbidities. Biden administration got really slapped down on the wider vote on universal booster shots. Biden got way out in front of the science on that one. Where do you come down on booster shots in a nutshell? You know, I wrote a, I wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal a week or so ago about how Moderna has got a more robust shot because it has more vaccine material and was given at a month interval instead of three weeks. I think that the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine tends to wear off after about four, five, six months and wear off where you don't have as robust a protection. And even in the end, you get more severe illness. I think we're seeing that out of the Israel data and the United Kingdom data. I think we not need to take that seriously. I like starting with old elder populations. You know what's a false argument here that we need to get on the air, Guy? You don't need to have, it could be both. In other words, we have PEPFAR, which is a program that treated HIV AIDS around the world, and we, and we did a pretty good job with it here simultaneously. We don't have to give all of our vaccines away to the rest of the world just because we want to be altruistic and not give booster shots to a fading vaccine. I think we can do both. I think that starting over the age of 60, not 65, would be prudent. I think all healthcare workers should be getting a booster at this point who got it early. And then we can look to widen it. I also think, last point, we make a huge mistake saying, well, that's data from another country. Let's, let's prove it here. I think we have to do both. Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical correspondent. We always appreciate your expertise, and we'll have you back soon, doctor. I have great pleasure to be on with you today. Likewise. It's the Guy Benson Show. We'll come back after this. You're listening to Guy Benson. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's the happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. We've talked a bit this week about the Emmys from Sunday night, mostly because of the special dispensation they got on COVID rules, because it was a very important, essential event. There were celebrities involved, so they had different rules. We addressed some of that earlier, and yesterday, that all to the side, because I didn't watch any of it. I don't like these award shows. I was happy that two shows that I enjoy... Apparently did quite well. The Crown won a bunch of awards. Very good drama about the reign of Her Majesty the Queen. It's extremely well done. And then a very different show, but also set in the UK, Ted Lasso, which is a bit mawkish, a little sentimental, but I find it delightful and entertaining, and they cleaned up as well. Their most recent episode, controversial, very polarizing among the fans. I thought it was fine. They sort of 
tried to do something a little bit differently, took a bit of a risk off the beaten path. I think they'll go back to the formula soon. But congratulations to Ted Lasso and company. They are a very lovable bunch. The happy hour on The Guy Benson Show isn't done. Stay with us. We'll be right back. GuyBensonShow.com. It is the happy hour here on The Guy Benson Show. Earlier today, we had some fun in studio with our colleague and friend, Jimmy Fela, host of Fox Across America right here on Fox News Radio. His show is noon to three, just before mine on a number of these same radio stations. We always have a blast with Jimmy. Today, of course, we enjoyed as well. Always a laugh or two with Jimmy here, especially when we can hang out face to face. Here's part of that conversation. I want to go through some of this audio with you because this is just um, fertile ground, I would say, for not just talk radio commentary, but just brutal mockery as well. I cannot get enough. We did a whole opening mono yesterday on this mayor out in San Francisco. Oh, my goodness gracious. London London Breed. Breed, The best of the best. She is just a gift in some ways. And here's just a little mashup of some of her greatest hits. Again, if if you didn't. Yeah. Catch the story. She was spotted, not just briefly, like all night yeah. at a nightclub last week, posing for photos, dancing, singing in a closed, like enclosed indoor space, mm-hmm. not wearing a mask. And this would be a big shrug for me, except for the fact that there's a mask mandate in her city They're that with no exceptions yeah. imposed by her. <laughs> right. This is her rule. Here's what she had to say about it when she mm. was confronted. This was her damage control. Oh, I love this. So Cut much. 20. Make sure you are vaccinated because of the requirements. But don't feel as though you have to be micromanaged about mask wearing. Like, we don't need the fun police to come in and try to <laughs> micromanage and tell us what we should or shouldn't be doing. We know what we need to do to protect themse- ourselves. I don't care where you're sitting. You're going to get up and start dancing. My drink was sitting at the table. I got up and started dancing because I was feeling the spirit. And I wasn't thinking about a mask. <laughs> if you listen closely, you can hear her crisis manager shooting himself in the background. You actually hear the gunshot go off. It is the craziest thing in the world. First of all, the fun police, uh, that comment would carry more weight if she wasn't wearing the police uniform. Right. She is the fun police. That's She's what I the, said. I said, madam, yeah, thank it's you. you. Thank you. But this this whole idea, like if you were to say uh, on like, I don't know, let's say a Delta flight. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm feeling the spirit. Or on my Amtrak train Thank up you. here today. They would duct tape you to the seat. <laughs> she gave an answer. You would get duct taped to the seat for giving if you were a normal person. And it's so absurd. Uh, Tony, 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 by the way, most like she dropped that reference. You know, it was Dwayne Wiggins and Raphael Sadiq had gotten together. It's Tony, 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 Tony. Like that song feels good. Came out like 44 years ago. Like 40 years no, ago. This was part of her defense. She's like, you, you guys, the original <laughs> Tony, group Tony, Tony. is back together. But they're at an age now where they actually sing Feels Bad. Everything hurts. <laughs> These guys are in like their late 50s. Everything hurts the minute they wake up in the morning. She also went on this little rampage about how she's like, no, my drink was over there. I'm not going to sip <laughs> and then put the mask on and then sip and then put the mask on. And I was like, okay, that's what. We are all required to do, to do on airplanes, and tra- I think it's ridiculous. That's absurd. I think it's completely ridiculous, and a few people also made this point. While she is a full-grown adult out there partying without a mask on, which, again, she's vaccinated. 
it's fine. Yep. It, I'm arguing against the mask mandate. Thank you. But she imposed the mandate. Thank you. So she has to abide by the mandate. I mean, I guess. Unless the mandate is meant to mean nothing at all. In theory, it really doesn't. I mean, if you're her, but this is the equivalent of, you know. There was It'll no, hurt other people. Yeah. Basically, she's the person who comes over to your table at the restaurant and tells you it's a no smoking section and lights a cigar. Right. It's a like huge an old, one. Yeah. And it's like, like blows it in your face. Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? Hey, folks, sorry. We're in a no smoking section. <laughs> you right. know. No, sir. And I kind of made this joke on the air yesterday. I didn't go too far with this joke. But there's a part of me that wonders, do some of these progressive left-wing voters out, especially in Northern California, do they like this? Is this like a weird fetish that they have of being humiliated by their politicians? The full exchange with Jimmy Fallon of Fox Across America, available on our free podcast. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcasts.com, or wherever you get your podcasts free of charge, on demand, round the clock, every day, including on weekends with Bonus Benson. When we come back, the home stretch. A mishmash of random topics, dancing with the stars, coffee, beer, autumn, and maybe who knows what else. I mean, Christine's here, so anything could happen. How's that for a tease? That's next. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show, Tuesday from New York. Catch me on Kennedy tonight, right around 7.30 Eastern Time. Fox Business Network, she and I will catch up and talk about DHS and the border. That's Kennedy in the 7 p.m. hour, her new time slot this evening, FBN. Last night, we were at the house. I was watching a little bit of the Monday night football game, and it was not terribly good. Packers and the Lions who were just being the Lions. And I remembered, it it just hit me, oh, tonight is the season premiere of Dancing with the Stars. Now, this is a thought that I believe has never occurred to me once in my life. It's not a show that I watch. I've seen, because I'm an American, I'm aware of generally what it is. I saw some of those clips of Sean Spicer, whenever that was, was it last season, doing his dances a couple seasons ago, maybe. But I have never sat down and watched an episode of this show. I used to see clips of it on The Soup when Joel McHale hosted The Soup, which I loved, which would give me sort of like a little primer on pop culture in half an hour, once a week. It was amazing. I wish they would bring it back with him. It's back with another woman who now hosts it, and it's fine. It's just not the same. And they would always show clips of the judges who would say these very dramatic things. And one of the guys always seemed to be hitting on everyone who had danced. So that is all of my knowledge of Dancing with the Stars. But this season, one of the Peloton instructors, and you all know if you're regular listeners, I got the Peloton. I've had it since before COVID. It's been a kind of a lifesaver during COVID. It's my routine. And one of my favorite instructors is this guy, Cody Rigsby, who is an over-the-top, semi-flamboyant man who is just highly entertaining, and he distracts me from my misery as I exercise, right? So I'm sweating and disgusting, but I'm occasionally chuckling because he's off on some crazy tangent ranting about 90s culture or food that he hates or likes. It's kind of like the home stretch in some ways, actually, come to think of it. So I like Cody Rigsby, and he is one of the contestants this season on Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, oh, I want to root for Cody. So... We flipped over 
And my husband was thrilled, by the way, that we were moving away from football to Dancing with the Stars, which he used to watch with his family. And Cody was not on at that moment. I had no idea when he was coming on. I said, well, he must be on at some point during the hour. I look at the TV guide, like the channel. This is a two-hour show. Absolutely not. So I said, we will record this and we will fast forward and find his performance. I'm not watching this. If it had been an hour, maybe. Two hours, it's just absolutely not going to happen. It's Tyra Banks now hosting the show. It used to be the guy from America's Funniest Home Videos, Tom Bergeron. I, I think he was there forever, and they've moved in a different direction. So it's Tyra. Cody did fine, by the way, in case you're curious. Hot pink suit. They matched him up with some dancer that I guess has won the thing twice. Cheryl Burke, Christine says. Okay, I don't know what, what that is, but good for her. And I'm, I'm glad for everyone involved. The one thing that I was sort of questioning, and again, I'm rooting for Cody. His previous career before being a fitness instructor was a professional dancer. Like his job was dancing. So I feel like that's kind of unfair, right? If he has made a living moving his body to beats in a professional setting, how is that fair for just like some random other person who's never done any sort of dancing before? Maybe the judge is great on a curve. I don't know how it works. Cody says, oh, well, I've never done ballroom dancing. It's totally different. I don't know if that's true. I'm not an expert on such things. That may come as a shock. And my, my dancing competency is extremely low. And such activities are very rare for me and only occur under very narrow circumstances. In any case, it was fine. But then I find out if you want to root for him or if you want to support your preferred person, you have to call. You have to call a phone number. Like, what is this, TRL in 1997? We still do this thing? It's not is not online voting, I don't think. Can you do Is there an online version or is it only phone calls on Dancing with the Stars? That's also very strange to me. So I think that my position now is he got fine reviews. They said, you seem a little nervous, you were a little stiff, but you seem to get into it at the end. You're one to watch. That was sort of the, the gist. And I was very proud of him. Right. He just he was obviously so excited to be there. I would be nervous beyond belief. I would never agree to this. I mean, just for the record, if we have any dancing ABC executives listening to the Guy Benson show. I'm not sure you're our core demo, but just in case, I don't think this is something I would ever do. For my own dignity. But I will vicariously cheer for Cody. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to vote. And I think I'll probably wait until the YouTube videos come out the next day, review the performances, and then see what he has to say about it on his Peloton rides. That's my little Dancing with the Stars update, and it may be the last. Unless he keeps going, but I'm Team Cody on this one. I don't know any of the other stars. That's the other problem. I've heard of JoJo Siwa. She is very, very famous amongst the youngsters. Yes, My but, daughter is. Yeah, your daughter's eight. Jojo Siwa. I'm 36. Yeah, and also you're talking about Dancing with the Stars like it just started. We're season 30. I know. I know. This is like this is. I catch up to something. I'm like, have you heard about this newfangled show? 
It's been on for almost my whole life. You have to call and vote. Have you heard of this I'm before? Just, I'm just telling you, this is my first real experience with this show, and I, I will not be watching, I don't think. I guess there's a Spice Girl on this season. I don't think I could even name the nicknames of the Spice Girls. Spice, okay, there's Sporty Spice, there's Scary Spice, there's Baby Spice, Posh Spice, I'm not is there a fifth or are there six? Did you say baby? I did. What about Mel C? What is that? Oh, she might. No, yeah, I think she. Oh, she's sporty. I'm missing a Spice Girl. Are there six or five? Oh, someone has come and confiscated my gay card again. All right. Hopefully I'll get that back in a matter of days. Oh, scary. Did you do scary? I think I said scary. So there's scary. Have you been listening to the segment? No, I've been trying to research this. Scary. Sporty, uh-huh. baby, yep, ginger, ginger, That's and the posh. One I miss ginger. I don't know which of those people is on this season, but evidently one of them is. We can move on from this because we were going to talk about beer was our original topic for this home stretch. Apparently, there's a Sam Adams beer that they've just released that is illegal to sell in 15 states. Can you explain this to me? What What is this beer? Why is it illegal in 15 states? I thought this was America. There's a very, very high alcohol content in this beer, which means uh, it cannot be sold in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia. Oh, thank God, New Jersey's not on here. Idaho. There's a whole bunch of states. Utah, I would imagine, would probably be on oh, here. Oh, yes. Utah, Vermont, Virginia, New Hampshire, Oklahoma. Vermont? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Oregon is another one. Huh. But guess what? Guess where it's sold? Where? The Dirty Jurors. You're referring to your home state. Yes. You are just at least pretending to be excited about this. You don't even like beer. I mean, listen, if it's the only thing, if it's in front of me, I'm going to drink it. Yes. It's not the only thing that you'd have to go out of your way to find this. I just feel like... You want to drink this and lord it over people in the states that can't get it. The only thing that is appealing to you about this is the high alcohol content and the illegality in some places. Take that, Bama. I'm not a Sam Adams seasonal guy unless it's Sam Summer. And of course, it's been Oktoberfest now since August, which I hate. We're not going there. We're not having this argument again about when pumpkins are allowed. We walked, we went to Whole Foods last night. We walked right through a sea of pumpkins that they're trying to that they're trying to sell to us, and mums, pumpkins and mums everywhere. And Adam and I on exactly the same page, we're like, absolutely not. It is still warm outside October. We will do this in October. We'll put some pumpkins out. We have to spray it with stuff because the the squirrels eat them. And then the mums, and we'll do all the autumnal things when the leaves start to change and it actually feels like fall weather. It's my favorite season. I know it technically starts, what, tomorrow or today? Tomorrow. I mean, in my home, it started about a month ago, but technically tomorrow. You know, you were like curling up on the couch with a fire with a piping hot pumpkin spice latte on like July 5th. Right? You took down all your July 4th stuff that had been up since May and out came the Halloween decorations. Right? You had a... You had a sweater on. I'm picturing you by the fire on July 5th in sort of like a, maybe a robe of some sort, a a warm robe that has 
a jack-o'-lantern on the back of it. I have many uh, pumpkin-type shirts, but I do have one that says pumpkin spice everything. Of course you do. Do you wear that? What do you think? If I had to guess, I think you would wear that, for example, when you go to pick up your pizza at Domino's or on just a little weekend jaunt to Six Flags. I mean, you could wear it anywhere. I also have one getting close. It goes close. with everything. I have one that's when I get closer to Halloween that says, I'm here for the booze. Get it? B-O-O-S. Yeah. You're here for the booze. B-O-O-Z-E. And not ghost booze, but like heckle booze. That's what you deserve for that joke. Boo. It's, it's not a joke. It's actual shirt. I got at Target. So be mad at them. That's not how this works. You made a choice. Some clothing designer somewhere is like, ooh, let's do this really tacky idea. Someone will buy it. Who's the someone? Cut to cookie. Bobby, look, it's so cute. You wouldn't ask him. You would just get it. I'm not going to lie. I have, I have a walk-in closet, and one of my drawers is just all autumn-related clothing. And that then doesn't I, go into storage? Like year-round, so- you have a whole fall drawer yeah but i mean i have a christmas drawer like i have yeah there's different things but then i also have like a bright orange cardigan that goes with all you know the pumpkin type out you're looking at me this isn't fun to talk about the judgment well i had said we were not going here on the autumn wars because we do it every year we've already had one or two skirmishes on this (laughs) and now we're back on it when we have a lovely little milieu of autumnal decorations, pumpkins, moms, etc. on our front stoop. I will take a photo and I will send it to you to model good behavior of seasonally appropriate decor. What do you think about a blow-up pumpkin? Because that's what I'm trying to convince Bobby about. Or a flying witch, like on the broom. And we are out of time. Here on The Guy Benson Show, sorry, Christine, I'll just have to think about that one. Let me take that under advisement. I feel like you could dress up as the witch and just hang out and scare people. Not on Halloween, just for weeks on end. And my witch's brew would be mama's juice. Okay, we can hear the music. We've got to go. Back here from New York tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Kennedy tonight, hope to see you there. Have a good evening. everybody, it's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.